0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hi, and welcome to LeechFest, a medical history podcast that we think won't cause uh, mass hysteria in our listeners. Hi, my name is Mia Mulder.
0: Hi, my name is Raul Comentano.
1: And today's episode is about mass hysteria, or mass psychosis, mm-hmm. or the dancing plague, or many other names. Mm-hmm. Uh, controversial topic. Scientifically, it's a bit controversial. Is it
0: controversial? I haven't really seen a lot of controversy about it. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about We're going to talk about it. I suppose. What yeah.
1: causes <laughs> of mass hysteria, and what is it? We don't really no.
0: but we do know that it has
1: happened we do know that it has happened we're, and we're gonna, gonna have a good time talking we're about gonna,
0: it oh my god i'm actually really excited i have some good ass notes for this episode <laughs> um i'm pretty excited to to um tell you all about it i'm mm-hmm. gonna talk about nuns nice yeah
1: i'm going to talk about uh, Strasbourg. but before we go into that how have you been
0: uh i've been good it's been a little bit of a stressful time for me um i started uh grad school uh-huh. And so right now I'm kind of in the process of um getting used to the new the new schedule new routine. I I'm still I feel like I'm I'm giving you like skating updates every episode. I'm uh-huh. still skating. I'm falling a lot more. Uh-huh. <laughs> um so I think it's time for me to upgrade my skates because because I skate a lot in like skate parks, uh-huh. right? And I think they're not made for that. So I'm falling a lot more because I think they're not made for speed.
1: I do like that. A few episodes ago, we were skating, and now it's you skating well, since I broke my arm.
0: Are you skating? No, yeah.
1: I mean I, I I want to, but I'm, I'm busy.
0: I know. Yeah, you're busy. Arm hurty. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you you yeah, you have a different schedule. I kind of just go out in the evenings.
1: Yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, like I'm I'm gonna stay at home and watch Stargate Atlantis <laughs> mm-hmm. season five. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. How are you? I'm good. Been working on videos, same, same stuff as always. Mm. Been doing a lot of revamping stuff. I'm uh, moving soon mm-hmm. that I've mentioned uh, on my social media and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to reducing my rent, but also it turns out I may have to like rent a studio to make my future videos. Which means I may pay more than I currently am for a smaller space.
0: Well, which is going to be fine. You don't know that you made a post on Twitter about it, and a lot of people actually gave you because I, you know, I stalk your Twitter every day. No, of course. Um, and... As you all should. <laughs> Potato
1: politics on Twitter.
0: Um, good, good plug. Um, but a lot of people actually left you really good comments on that yeah. post, yeah. so you should definitely check them out.
1: Oh, I, I, I have, and it's going to be, it's going to be a good thing too because I do want to like up production values and yeah. stuff, and having a dedicated studio space is going to be good.
0: Yeah. New chapter uh, in both of our lives.
1: <laughs> new, uh, skates. New, ska-
0: new skates. New skates. <laughs> new studio. New grad program, new apartment. Well, it is
1: August at the time of recording this podcast. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's a time for change.
0: It's a time for change.
1: Yeah, summer is dying. Uh, the trees are beginning to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, a new era is beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of new era beginning, we want to thank a patron for this episode. <laughs> Yeah. I'm really good with my segues. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we want to thank Mia, not me, not me, uh, Kraft, <laughs> Mia Kraft. Thank you so much for uh, sponsoring our our podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, this episode uh, is is we're thanking we're thanking you, person with a very similar name to me, Mia. <laughs>
0: yes, thank you, Mia. Um, we really appreciate your support, and we. We appreciate everybody who supports Mm. us, whether that is by being a patron or simply by listening to our episodes and sharing to your friends.
1: The best support we can ask for is people just listening. So so you better... better, (laughs) Or else. You better... better, (laughs) Or else. (laughs) Do you want to get hysterical?
0: Let's get hysterical. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to talk about mass hysteria, and before we get into the history of it, I think it would be useful to maybe talk about the term itself and just kind of talk a bit about what it means. So mass hysteria is usually the term that we hear in relation to this phenomenon, but um, I want to start by saying that actually researchers prefer the term collective obsessional behavior (laughs) Um, because mass hysteria is a term that kind of has negative connotations And so having a more formal term kind of outlines it as an event of potential clinical interest. Mass hysteria is also known as mass psychogenic illness or MPI. We might say mass hysteria in this episode because it's a little bit, it has kind of a ring to it. And that's Mm -hmm. how most people like know it as. And also like even when you read articles about it, um, people will still use this term. So it's like known by that term. But I think it's just important to know that it's like, it's not, it's not really the correct term. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's not the scientifically accurate term, mm-hmm. but it's what people use. Mm-hmm. I think it's also important to, to mention, like, because mass hysteria has like connotations, there there are a lot of things that are like classified as mass psychogenic illness mm-hmm. that like, that might not look the same, mm-hmm. but there are that they have similar sort of causes and mm-hmm. outcomes, but they just like might present differently. Yeah, um, yeah. which yeah. is why the mass hysteria because sometimes many of these events like don't present as like hysterical. hmm Exactly. Um, and um Yeah, and that's
0: know. that's also why it's it's better to have this this different term like collective obsessional behavior yeah. or psychogenic illness, because it's not like, when you think of mass hysteria, I think most people would just think of, like, people uh, having spasms and, like, screaming and, like, running all over the place. Yeah. But often, that's not at all what it looks like. Mm. Um, so, it's yeah, it's good to kind of be mindful of the fact that mm-hmm. this is not the only term and it's not the most correct term. Yeah. Speaking of which, it also can take many forms. So, that is why it's a bit difficult to assign, like, a clear definition to it or mm-hmm. characterize it. But it is... Commonly known as an outbreak of abnormal illness behavior that cannot be explained by physical disease that affects people in a cohesive social group.
1: Like a group of people will get sick with something, but and and there's no cause for it.
0: Yeah, there's no physical cause. So it's also known as a psychogenic illness, meaning that it is a condition that begins in the mind rather than in the body. So you have physical symptoms but it's not caused by a physical illness. Mm -hmm. It's also been described as a conversion disorder, meaning that the person develops physiological symptoms affecting the nervous system in the absence of a physical cause of illness, and that may appear as a reaction to psychological stress. And this is another element of it that Mm -hmm. is kind of important, where usually the trigger for this is stress Mm -hmm. or pent-up anxiety or, you know, things like that. Lastly, there's two types of mass sociogenic illness, There's mass anxiety hysteria, and there's mass motor hysteria. Um, And I think, I don't know about you, but I'm actually going to cover two examples, one of each. Oh, really? Yeah. So the first is of shorter duration and involves sudden extreme anxiety following the perception of a threat. Mm. Um, The threat is usually imaginary. And then the second, mass motor hysteria, is a slow accumulation of pent-up stress in an intolerable social setting and is characterized by dissociation histrionics and alteration and psychomotor activity like shaking and twitching um which persists for months so the second one i guess is the more well-known type Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's good to to keep in mind that it's kind of like there's two different uh types that are caused by different kinds of stress Mm -hmm. and that manifest themselves in different ways Mm
1: -hmm. it's very interesting too because like it's we're talking about an illness here right that is psychological but that has uh, I, keep, I know we mentioned this like eight times that ha- like it's a psychological illness that has a physical effect. And let's talk about some cases where where that has happened maybe
0: yeah i'm so actually um i mentioned i'm gonna talk about nuns I, i'm gonna like dig a little bit into that oh. like how how it actually spreads and why it spreads oh. especially in that context mm-hmm. of like religious orders um that's that's smart yeah, I, I decided for this episode I wasn't gonna look too much at like the actual mechanisms of action, just because I, I figured it would be a bit complicated, mm-hmm. especially because it's not well known at all, and I don't yeah. think it's really something that has been studied super much. It's not. It's not like on the forefront of <laughs> like clinical research.
1: Yeah. When we did research for this, we had at least I had I had pretty difficult issues. Finding like a cohesive explanation for why it spreads to other yeah, people, yeah. And, like why mm-hmm. it's become why it can sometimes act epidemically, mm-hmm. and just because like we, it's such a unstudied and like unknown phenomena, mm. but I it mean, does happen exactly. Like, and like, like the brain, should, yeah. the brain
0: is already like not studied. Yeah, We're, it's not that it's not studied enough, but it's very difficult to study, and there is very much that we don't know about mm-hmm. the brain, and like especially when you have like an, a phenomenon like this that doesn't necessarily hold a lot of like. Therapeutic value, you know what I mean? Like mm. it's just, it just doesn't hold a lot of interest yeah. for like people to actually study it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we don't really know much about what it mm. is, and like, so I decided I w- I wasn't gonna yeah. go too much into that.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, to your listener, if you're asking how this <clears throat> works, top scientists many will say we don't really know, we don't know. <laughs> mm. but it's interesting. So let's talk about some cases.
0: Let's talk about some cases.
1: All right. So it's a medical history podcast, so let's dig into some... Some medical history. (laughs) Some history into this. And it's one of the more mysterious medical history cases that uh, I've seen people talk about and that many people like to theorize about, and there are legends around this case. Mm. So I'm going to talk about the dancing plague, uh, which is a case that we are fairly sure is caused by mass hysteria. We don't fully know. It could be caused by other things. There are some theories which I'm going to talk about. Uh, including overheated blood Which is uh, which is fun I'm gonna get into that But the dancing plague itself Was one of several dancing manias In the Rhine region of the Holy Roman Empire uh, Which is Which can be fun It wasn't an isolated event This wasn't like the only dancing mania This happened many 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 times But this event has some legend to it I keep seeing TikToks where people talk about this As sort of like a mysterious like They put mysterious music in the background Like mm-hmm. was aliens involved in this No <laughs> It probably wasn't aliens.
0: Well, you don't know that.
1: I'm fairly certain it wasn't aliens. So, it is Strasbourg. July 14th, 1518. In the era of the Holy Roman Empire, right at the start of the Renaissance. The Middle Ages have ended. They didn't call any of this the Middle Ages or the Renaissance, (laughs) but we do that. We have discovered the New World, but not potatoes yet. Potatoes have not yet been discovered. Things were still pretty awful for most people in Europe. You don't want to be in Europe in the 1500s. It's mm. pretty rough. Now, according to legend, and we are fairly sure that this is historically accurate. It becomes more historically accurate further into the story, but the, initially, the story goes that a woman began dancing in the streets of Strasbourg, but not like regular dancing. More like wildly flailing limbs around, shifting and sudden movements. A lot more like um, I hate it, but like, like more zombie-like mm-hmm. than like twerking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the
0: two types of dance zombie like and twerking zombie like
1: and twerking and this woman um, flailed around or like danced Mm -hmm. for hours on a square in the middle of Strasbourg kind of spooky no and like people started to think that like hey that's that's kind of weird but no one's gonna like people are busy people are going on with their lives however more people join in on her dancing and she's not talking to anyone like she's not communicative she's just like Flailing around. No music, by the way. People say dancing, but I'm going to talk about why they call it dancing. Uh, But she's just flailing around.
0: Is it just me or is this kind of scary?
1: This is very scary. It gets scarier too. She kept dancing for days. And after four days, 34 men and women were all dancing wildly in the street. This is a group of people now.
0: The fact that they're not talking to each other and they're just like flailing and sort of grunting and making these like. Is that mm-hmm. the word? Spasmodic movements. Mm-hmm. That's spooky. I, I would I would get freaked out if I saw that. <laughs>
1: and people did get freaked out too. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the reason why we know that this event actually happened is this was the biggest of all the dancing manias because city official, uh, city officials, priests, guards, all sort of people came to help with this situation because they noticed that this like small crowd of people were like freaking out. So they would uh, start taking some of these people to hospitals because they obviously saw that they were sick. They weren't. They weren't feeling their the best. Some of them did recover after just a few days, and they would then they could be taken home and, like, rest. Many of them did recover, I should say. Like, most of these people recovered fully, like, while the epidemic was still ongoing. But there were always some people constantly dancing. So
0: they were kind of, like, taking turns. Like, some people would get better and go home, mm-hmm. recover. Yeah, like, the, but fr- like the first other... woman
1: danced for two days, I mm-hmm. think. But mm-hmm. then, like... By that point, other people had joined yeah, like, in, and yeah, the crowd exactly. was getting bigger. Yeah, yeah, After a month, a solid month of dancing in Strasbourg, it had spread to four over four hundred people who were all dancing uncontrollably. Many of them dancing themselves to exhaustion and falling to the ground. Some of these people in the bigger crowds didn't actually recover. They, they, you know, they all survived as far as we know, but many of them became like almost traumatized by this experience.
0: Oh, like, what, in what way traumatized? Do you mean?
1: Because they 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 some the longest case I think was someone who danced for six days straight. Mm -hmm. Like they had, uh, like they could be fed water, but like by pouring water into their mouths while they were dancing, not sleeping. And that stuff gets traumatic, not just like mentally, but also for the body. Yeah. yeah. And many of those uh, people, you know, they had
0: like long-lasting damage.
1: Yeah, I'm actually gonna come back to some of that later Mm because it's it's a bit it's it's a bit mysterious. Yeah. Um, another symptom that never became as famous as the dancing was the inability to see the color red. It never comes up, but a lot of doctors at, of the time, uh, according to some sources that I read, just, like, they didn't see the color, color red. Weird. Uh, and city officials actually thought that, like, okay, red might cause this thing, that if they can't see red, like, red's connected. And I should say uh, regarding deaths, there, whenever people talk about this play, people say that like, oh, people danced until they died. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence for that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, there's church records and family records and doctor records. No one mentions any deaths, nor do any diaries. Mm-hmm. So as far as we know, everyone just danced until they, uh, until they got to tired they got and tired. then they went home. <laughs> well, they got carried home because yeah. they basically fell until they fainted. Then uh, most times they recovered. Uh, And this event definitely happened. Like, it sounds a little spooky, but definitely happened. We have uh, many people writing about it. As I said, one woman danced for six days. And the city actually placed guards to take turns protecting that woman who danced for six days. So that she didn't hurt herself. And they would uh, do this not just to her. The city, the Council of 21, which is like the government of the time, (laughs) uh, dedicated two whole guild halls. For this epidemic. One guild hall for the people to dance in. And eventually sleep in. To sort of like quarantine them for lack of a better term. And one whole guild hall just for guards. To like take care of them and protect them. And like they make sure that they didn't like hurt themselves. So now two big buildings in town are dedicated to this this thing. And there are, where, there are hundreds of people dedicated to protecting them. They would, would take turns.
0: It's good healthcare. Mm-hmm.
1: During the day they would sometimes take some of the people onto carriages. And take them out to a field. Where they could like dance themselves into exhaustion because then they can sort of flail around a bit more, like if they're indoors they can't really do it. And at night they would take them back to the guild hall so that they could sleep, or if they were like moderately recovered, like if they could talk, if they could like do something, then they would be taken home to their family, typically. The reason why we know it as a dancing plague though, and not the the flail around plague, uh, is because an early remedy for the sickness was to play music and dance with them. They thought that this would help. They even set up a dancing platform in the square and paid people to keep them company to dance with them and play the musical instruments, and to talk with them. And today, we're like, oh, that's silly, they dance with them. But if we're looking at this from a point of, like, these people are clearly undergoing some type of, like, mental, like, episode, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. Um, you can sort of see the rationale where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Like, they're they're paying people to sort of, like, spend time with these people to make sure that they're okay, to make sure that they have company, to make sure that they're, like, eating and drinking properly so they don't die. However, it didn't really work with healing the plague, unfortunately. It actually seemed to make more and more people become infected by it and more people started to dance. So the city council eventually banned all the music in the town, in the city, for a whole month. And also decorations with red.
0: It's always <laughs> fun to talk about treatments or like just things that they came up with yeah. to, to treat ailments. Just play some music. Just play some play some music. Uh, Ban the color red. Yeah. If that doesn't work, we'll figure something else out. But for now, we'll just try this. Like the first. <laughs> it reminds music... me. It reminds me a bit of the Black Plague episode. Yeah. I know that this is later, uh, but it's it's kind of a similar.
1: It's a similar vibe. They did work a little bit empirically though, because the first they noticed that the drumming music mm-hmm. seemed to be worse. It seemed that that kind of music was creating the movements, the sort of erratic, mm-hmm, quick, mm-hmm. sudden movements that they mm-hmm. were doing, and. While string music seemed a bit more comfortable. That seemed more relaxing. But eventually they also banned that. Be <laughs> like it's, it's, like we can't can't do this. There had been cases of other dancing manias in the in the region, with many women being affected and women wearing red dresses. Mm-hmm. Which again they so they are coming here from like, hey, this has happened before, red was connected to then again, so let's just ban the color red. Red's probably connected.
0: Do you know what's interesting? In um so from what I've read, of course I haven't like I haven't put too much thought into it, but it, it does seem that women tend to be affected a bit more than men. Yeah. With uh, with mass hysteria. I don't I don't know what this says. <laughs> I don't know what that says either. I don't know what this no. says about mass hysteria and women. But, um, the majority
1: of people affected in the dancing play were also women.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that mentioned a few times. It's, it's a mystery. It's interesting.
1: But as I mentioned, this wasn't the only time this had happened. Mm-hmm. Many dancing manias had happened in Basel and Anhalt. Mm -hmm. Uh, which are cities in the whole Roman Empire at the time. In the 1300s, a huge case happened in Aachen, after which it spread to multiple cities in the whole Roman Empire. Sorry about the pronunciation of Aachen, but I don't know how to pronounce that city. So, but scientists or like thinkers of the age knew that this wasn't like a sudden new event. Mm. This was like a recurring thing, especially in the Rhine region of, of, of Europe. So people at the time had various theories as to why this was happening. And I'm going to go through them now. The first explanation was the possession of the devil. Mm. Uh, Although it seems that most people at the time said, that's probably not true. The (gasps) devil doesn't just possess people. These people are clearly sick from a natural ailment. Mm -hmm. It's the Renaissance. The Middle Ages were 50 years ago. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Possession by the devil is so old-fashioned.
1: It's It's clearly a neurological disorder. (laughs) The humanist, Hieronymus Gewäle, names, (sighs) I loved it, um, claimed at the time, that the dance was God's way to force modesty and moderation upon the city of Strasbourg, who needed to crucify their bodies so that Christ's suffering should not be lost upon us. Um, He was a very influential thinker, although it does seem that people at the time didn't really agree with him, because most people saw the sickness as having a natural cause. Even the local priest said he didn't even need to bless the sick, because the doctors had it under wraps, but said that if anyone wanted, or if the doctors weren't successful, then of course he would come by and bless Mm. the sick. But he just didn't see a need for it. Hmm. He didn't think this was... God was not involved. This was not God's department. <laughs> like, they're just, they're just sick. Interesting. Which, I think it's, which I think it's kind of wholesome in a way. That, like, the priest is just like, well, I come by if they want to, but I don't, I don't need to. They're not going to hell or anything. They're fine. <laughs> they're just sick. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Because what I, what I have... So I'm going to talk about the nuns so later. And let me tell you the... The,
1: <laughs> the wrath of God.
0: <laughs> yeah, the attitude is very different. <laughs> Um, I guess, because because my context is kind of like you know strongly like religious, like a, a religious order. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe the situation is a bit different, but mm. still interesting.
1: Interesting, yeah. Uh, however, as the epidemic progressed mm-hmm. and none no natural remedies seemed to be working, they did become a bit more like traditional thinking mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. That's when they started banning certain like uh, colors and or de- decorations. They wanted people to dress modestly, because the idea was that, like, if people dressed a bit more provocatively, then maybe that would provoke more dancing. Mm. So they were like, okay, let's not do that. These people are sick. Just, like, let's just dress up for a little bit until they get better, and then we can go back <laughs> to party. And they eventually did also, like, bring in the church to, like, do, like, mass mm-hmm. prayers and things of that nature. But yeah, the, it, it yeah. does seem like that was a sort of, like, last resort thing, yeah, yeah, which I think like, is
0: interesting. Yeah, like, time time won by, uh, sickness wasn't getting resolved, so they're like, okay. Okay, let's just pray for a little let's... bit. Let's desperate times call for desperate measures. Mm-hmm. Bring in the priest. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but let's talk about some the modern theories as to why this dancing plague like, happened. Mm-hmm. Most uh, thinkers and scholars about this have come to the conclusion that it's probably a case of mass hysteria. Mm. Because as you mentioned, mass hysteria is often caused by like extreme stress and anxiety. And uh, that tracks with living in, in Europe in the 1500s. Mm. Uh, it was very hard. Your food is awful. Potatoes don't exist yet. Um, it's a hot summer too. Remember mm. that? Like, this is a hot summer's day. And the region is also, like, plagued by starvation and death and plague normally. Like, I can see why someone would just have, like...
0: Just a breakdown. Just a
1: complete mental breakdown mm. in that situation. Mm. Which is obviously why we're talking about the, this plague in this episode. But I also want to talk about some other theories for this. That might not be necessary, just to like get it out of the way. Yeah. Another modern theory is food poisoning, specifically from uh, from the ergot fungi. Mm-hmm. And ergot, as we know from our last episode, is closely related to the origin of LSD. So the theory is that maybe some of these people like ate bread baked with like this weird thing and just hallucinated wildly. Mm. Um,
0: so I'm not really sure about this because LSD is synthesized from this species, mm-hmm. but are, because there's different species of this fungi. Yes. Right. So uh, do we know for sure that the species that was growing at the time was the one that it's, we get LSD from. So
1: the theory, the theory builds itself on that, like this, uh, it for, that it can form a chemical that's like very close to LSD, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that can happen in many different types of grain. Okay. Um, and it it's possible that this grain that 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 the fungi could have existed in the region at the time. Okay. But most scholars think that this is definitely not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to mention it because it is a theory, but it, most people don't think it's true because this dancing plague happened in multiple cities mm. with varying climates and doesn't account for people dancing as long as six days. Yeah, yeah. But it's still interesting that it's possible mm. that for like a solid month in the 1500s, 400 people were just tripping on LSD. <laughs> a final and not very popular theory is that this was some sort of epileptic seizure that somehow spread throughout people. Most people don't consider this to be a possibility. Epileptic seizures don't really spread in an epidemic fashion. Uh, and they don't really have the the same symptoms as as was described. The, the dancing didn't take the form of like seizures, but more just like rapid involuntary uh, movements of the limbs, mm. which is which is sounds similar, but it's actually but it is different. Mm. And the final theory, actually the final final, I know the last one was final, but the <laughs> final final theory is overheated blood, mm-hmm. which was a theory at the time as well. Mm. But that some people think that maybe could have had something to do with it. It was a summer's day. And having having a, what's it called, a, a heat-induced stress episode okay. can cause similar things. Too. So
0: when you say overheated blood, do you mean something like sunstroke?
1: Yeah, basically.
0: So why um, why would that cause dancing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's why this theory also falls apart a little yeah, bit. Like yeah. it, um, the symptoms don't really match up no. super well, which is why mass hysteria is sort of the go-to theory. Mm-hmm. Which is, and it's so unsatisfactory because mass hysteria is usually what you end up with, where nothing else mm, can fit. Nothing fits, uh, and this is this basically where we are here. But those are the theories that people have sort of considered, and because they don't work out, mass hysteria is the only like left.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, mass hysteria is accepted as a syndrome on its own, so it's mm. not it's not like a supernatural, unexplainable <laughs> phenomenon. You know, like it is like some a sort of illness I yes guess. And it's not like a physical illness mm-hmm. but it does it does exist so I think that we should treat it as such
1: yeah oh we definitely should mm. um but uh, yeah living in miserable times in 16th century Strasbourg can you know it can give you an episode and it can also make over 400 people join in mm-hmm. um in the end most people did recover completely like I mentioned earlier some women though actually began having bouts of this dancing and every year around the same time but those events didn't spiral into epidemics like this was something that the city council was like dealing with too they were like we had a big epidemic last year and now mm-hmm. this year like there are these three women they're back in town and they're dancing we don't know why
0: <laughs> maybe they, why had, are they, they, doing a, they had a good time they, they were like can we, can we do it again <laughs> can guys? we do it
1: again can we have dancing. this horrifying traumatic experience of dancing again
0: <laughs> dancing plague mm, Coachella and... Sixteen oh seven hashtag.
1: Beyonce is at uh, Strasburella. <laughs> um, burning, burning, uh, burning, Bur- Renaissance man. Burning, rena- burning Renaissance man. Burning Renaissance man. That's good. Mm-hmm. Another event I want to talk about very briefly mm-hmm. um, is a more modern example of psychological events impacting physical symptoms. And it's a very short one, but, I, also, but I, I wanted to include it just to show sort of the scope and the range of mass mm. hysteria. Because this is a very extreme case. Yeah. Like, people having rapid movements, spreading to hundreds of people, and going on for days and days and days. Very traumatic. But it can also have, like, more, like, smaller effects mm. that, just cause, that are caused from, like, smaller anxieties, I suppose. And I want to talk about Belgium. Very horrifying already, starting out. <laughs> in Belgium, in 1999... Roughly 100 people began reporting symptoms of nausea, cramps, heart palpitations, and stomach pains after drinking coca-cola. Don't sue us coke, please. Uh, This is a news event. Fears began that coke had been tainted in some way and millions of gallons of coke was drained just in case something was actually up. On June 8th, 28 children from school began reporting symptoms after which... An initial recall of Coke from the shelves began, and within two days, more children from the same school and from other schools also began reporting symptoms. Mm-hmm. And the thing with mass hysteria, right, is that it also affects children more than yep. adults, right? Yeah, yeah. The National Health Board of Belgium actually banned the sale of Coke for a short time until they could figure out like what was happening. And while that was happening, more and more calls came in, even from northern France, like to poison control, asking about symptoms, and some even seeking hospital care for nausea and like throwing up. And I think it's important to mention, like, these are, like, people are feeling the actual symptoms. Like, yeah. Like, they're not just, like, overthinking symptoms they already have. Like, they're getting symptoms. And Coke did a massive investigation, and they found, like, some pesticide on the outside of some cans. But every single toxicology report that tried to find, like, what caused couldn't find anything about it. And the pesticide in question didn't even cause the symptoms in the first place. So that was, like, a weird... They They found something, but that's probably not the culprit. But this, too was explained as a case of mass hysteria because this was right after there had been a scandal of tainted meat in Belgium, which had caused, like, actual physical symptoms and caused hospitalizations, and something that actually, like, almost brought down the Belgian government at the time. Like, it was a huge scandal. And this was right after that. Mm-hmm. So what's happening here is, like, one kid got sick, probably from a normal cause, right? Mm-hmm. Some other people are, like, overthinking it. They're getting the symptoms. And now mm-hmm. it's suddenly news and it's spreading. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mass hysteria begins. But it was nothing. And they drained millions and millions of gallons of coke um, for, for nothing.
0: So they just decided it was mass hysteria and moved on. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much.
1: Hmm, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I think that's a good... I just want to give an example that's a bit more modern. Something that could happen to you, dear listener. <laughs> because everyone can get sick, right? It doesn't just affect like children and women. <laughs> it affects everyone.
0: All right. So, I also have two examples that I want to talk about. And I I also interestingly, I think we kind of both had the same idea where we both took like one example that is a little bit extreme and then another one that is a bit more modern that kind of showcases how mass hysteria can can happen like in modern times and can happen to like you know like regular people. So, the first example that I'm going to talk about concerns nuns in the Middle Ages. So, As we know, between the 14th and the 16th century, in Europe, there were a lot of really strict Christian religious orders. And this, combined with a popular belief in demons and witches, led to dozens of motor hysteria outbreaks among nuns. And in this section, I'm going to tell you about a few of them. So, as we know, the nuns were typically young girls who were coerced by elders to join religious orders, which were very socially isolating, uh, very strict places. So, they had to practice rigid discipline as well as take vows of chastity and poverty. It's important to say that, like those who were coerced by their elders to join these religious orders, kind of had to put up with it without necessarily believing in the stuff that they were taught, or maybe they believed in it, but they didn't believe in it to like to an extreme that they were expected to like
1: most people believe in god but most people maybe don't want to dedicate themselves to like vows of chastity and poverty for the rest of their lives exactly
0: so that was very like strenuous for them Mm -hmm. but then there are also women who who joined these orders who actually really who really believed in this stuff and then for them it's said that they actually suffered more because they were tormented by the fact that, in their eyes, they would never reach the standards that were imposed upon them. So you know, I mean, it's it's like bad either way. So in addition to the like the spiritual torment. The nuns had to endure poor diets, repetitive prayer rituals, lengthy fasting, as well as severe punishment for um, minor transgressions, which included flogging and incarceration. So corporal punishment and uh, social isolation. So life in the religious orders was bad enough, but that's not all. (laughs) I think you've mentioned this before, but the times themselves were pretty traumatic. Like it was rough living in the 16th century. And you can actually look at mass Assyria outbreak maps and you can see that, um, that some of those areas actually correspond to geographical areas that were most severely affected by, by floods, by some of the most severe floods of the century. So chronicles tell of the waters of the Rhine rising 34 feet, of floodwaters pouring over town walls, of homes and markets becoming submerged, and of decomposing bodies and horses Bobbing along watery streets.
1: Of course, it's the Rhine. That's that's <laughs> it's ri- always that's right around Strasbourg. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Actually, when you were when you were telling your part, I was thinking about this. That it's because it's probably like, mm-hmm. um, it's it's probably also you know a cause.
1: Yeah.
0: Same location, same time period. Oh
1: yeah, things. It's just an awful place to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, you know, just like seeing decomposing bodies, like industry, mm-hmm. and it, like seeing homes and markets being flooded and cities getting destroyed, that mm-hmm. is stressful. In addition, famine, sickness, and terrible cold uh, caused widespread despair in Strasbourg. In <laughs> Strasbourg. Yeah. And old killers like leprosy and the plague were joined by a terrifying new affliction called syphilis. Yes,
1: we got syphilis because it's syphil- right after we discovered a new world. Yeah. And we yeah, still yeah. don't have potatoes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You you got to think about potatoes this episode.
1: <laughs> i got to think about potatoes last. Like last couple of episodes too. Really, I, like, didn't I miss it. Imagine going through all of this hell and you can't even go to McDonald's for a French fry. <laughs> I can deal with syphilis and famine and, and sickness, <laughs> but no McDonald's, but fries? no fries. Get out of here.
0: Get out of here. Um, yeah, but but the point I'm trying to make is that it was a, a very traumatic time, uh, both on the outside of the orders and on the inside so the mass hysteria episodes lasted for months and in several instances came and went like you said yourself so <laughs> i just think it's so funny because like just imagine having to deal with that for like years like the nuns just losing their minds for months at a time and you just have to put up it's just like oh, oh
1: sister agatha is there it again?
0: there you go again like oh
1: the, the Rhine's flooded and there you go like it's like clockwork okay <laughs> get get sister uh, beatrice and we'll get the water We'll make a fire. Get, get the holy we'll water. Get
0: Father Augustus. We have to do it again. <laughs> but so, interestingly, histrionics and role-playing were a significant part of the syndrome. And also, we know that the hysteria events typically occurred under the more stricter regimes. So, the harder the order was, the more strict it was, the, the more likely it was that these episodes were going to happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, the number of these episodes are remarkable. Apparently, there's hundreds of books detailing the episodes that these nuns would have mm-hmm. over over the years so at a convent in france in 1491 a group of nuns exhibited fits yelped like dogs and foretold the future in spain a group of nuns bleated like sheep, tore off their veils and had convulsions in church
1: girls night <laughs> and girls at- rock <laughs>
0: At another French convent, the nuns meowed together every day at a certain time for several hours together. At this time, it was believed that the humans could be possessed by certain animals, considered to be demonic familiars, and in France, cats were despised for this reason.
1: I'm not sure if you mentioned this, but the meowing thing? There was a mass hysteria outbreak, I think in like either Maryland or in Uganda. I'm not super sure which, mm-hmm. which one it was. Mm-hmm. But they had a similar thing, where like a bunch of girls would start meowing,
0: mm-hmm. you just like...
1: Well, collectively, like, over and over and over. When was this? In the, I think it's, like, the 80s, 1980s, something like that? Like, fairly recently. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, there's, but there's so many cases. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this happened many times over. I just think it's interesting
1: that, like, the meowing thing happened before. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that there's a real element of suggestion, and this is something that I'm going to talk about, you know, because they knew that animals could possess um, or they believed that, that animals could possess people and they were told about this. Um, you know, I think that this plays a role. Yeah, for sure. So, another example of mass hysteria in religious orders is that of Jean Desanges, mother superior of the Loudon nunnery in sovereign France. So
1: proud of pronunciation. I have so. Ludon?
0: Loudon. I took French in high school. And so
1: did I. <laughs> you don't hear me talking about um, it. So...
0: podcast over (laughs) no i'm sorry all right okay listen listen
1: (laughs) it was too good to say
0: (laughs) um okay so so jean Desange, this mother superior of the nunnery in 1627 she became infatuated with a local priest she confessed and i quote when i didn't see him i burned with desire for him this is bold for mothers for a mother superior mm-hmm. to say this is to a priest. To well actually well, about, about a priest, right. So she confessed this. Um so I mean if she said this, she was down bad. Mm, She's she down bad. <laughs> um so she she felt overwhelmingly worthless and guilty about this, which I can I can imagine. Yeah,
1: we've all been down bad.
0: <laughs> and after weeks of penance, she fell into a dissociative state during which she accused him of plotting with Satan to make her lust after him. I just, I love the fact that she sat down and she fought about it for a few days. She was like, okay, something is up. <laughs>
1: Something's up. up this yeah.
0: is, I, I just love that she's blaming him. I know. It's <laughs> like, this It's this is,
1: your fault yeah. that I'm in love with you.
0: It's like, it's not me. It's you. It's your fault. It's your fault. It, it's you It's and you and Satan. Satan. <laughs> Um, anyway, so she accused him of plotting with Satan to make her lust after him. And within days, several other nuns followed suit, accusing the priest of bewitching them. Which, again, love it. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah. He did it? Yeah, I'm horny. He's too hot? It, I'm Satan horny. Satan is involved. I'm horny and it's his fault. <laughs> it's not my, my sinful behavior. It's his sinful behavior.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm imagining this priest has never met any of these people. They just, yeah. they can just see him like across a field somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Just like walking He's just it. hanging out. Yeah, yeah. The story ends pretty pretty sadly, unfortunately. He because he was tried and burnt alive. They they did side with the nuns.
1: I'm too hot.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean Or maybe um, maybe to he 60 was
1: 64 France.
0: Maybe he was too ugly. Maybe he was ugly and they were like, Well of course. Of course. Of course you have Satan on your side.
1: I choose to believe that this guy was like a Giga Chad. Just like the no, I think just imagine imagine like French peasants in the 1600s, and there's one guy. He's like uh, 210. Um, I actually think completely it, muscular, com- like that, and everyone just. I choose to believe it was a giga Chad. I
0: actually, I choose to believe he was a virgin because I just, I could just like see him as a virgin meme. Uh, girl is interested in him for the first time. Gets, he gets tried and <laughs> <burnt, laughs> Yeah.
1: Oh, God. Because I'm thinking of the Chad perspective here. Just like, (laughs) has has entire convent lusting for him? Has Satan on his side? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Gives no shits.
0: I think this can go either way.
1: Someone make a meme about this. I'm going to make a meme about this. Okay.
0: Let me me tell this goddamn story. (laughs) So he was tried and burned alive. And I mean, we can imagine, you know, we're just thinking about how the story uh, came to be. Uh, we, we can imagine that it's this, like, isolation and, like, the social isolation and this deep longing for human intimacy, which everybody needs. I'm not afraid to say it. Everybody needs human intimacy. Mm-hmm. So it's this, uh, you know, the, the social isolation that triggered this collective breakdown. A little spicy horned moment, oh, element oh, element oh, in oh, this oh. Uh, story. During their possession attacks, they behaved with alarming lewdness, supposedly lifting their habits Simulating copulation and giving their demons uh, names, which I will not repeat here. Uh, but if you are if you are a Patreon, uh, you can uh, see my notes and see the the names in the notes.
1: That's incredible, actually. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that they would simulate copulation, it, it, they're humping each other in church. <laughs> That's what they're doing.
0: And lifting their Girl, habits.
1: Girls rock.
0: They're uh, yeah, they're having a a, a a night out. A lot
1: of a lot of these girls. Painting to paint with each other that happens a lot in comments. I it think. does they probably didn't write it down but as a resident historian i'm going to say that simulating uh, copulation probably involves something more
0: mm-hmm. is that your historian perspective yes okay cool so let's let's talk about what actually happened it seems you know from what we've seen so far that the recipe for these outbreaks seems to have been long-standing anxiety about uncertain traumatic times and, you know, like the, the traumatic situation that they were in, just inside, like within the walls of the religious order. This led to dissociation and hyper-suggestibility. But a major element is also the popular belief in the possibility of spirit possession. So minds can be prepared by learning or passive exposure to shift into altered states. And that's why possession often struck religious houses. Every day they were, they were seeing and thinking about demons and devils and... Uh, satanic familiars and wrathful saints. And in some religious orders, their mother superiors would make them even more vulnerable by encouraging trances and mind-altering forms of worship. So when one nun began to faint and convulse and speak in tongues and, uh, you know, act all sorts of ways, the more susceptible sisters would begin to experience the same kind of dissociation mm. because they would think that like, oh, uh, you know, the, the devil is among us. Yeah. It is my turn to be possessed. You can
1: see this a lot happening. Uh, there's a, a documentary called Jesus Camp. Mm. Which isn't really about any other thing like this, but there are scenes of yeah, that yeah, yeah. where, yeah, yeah. like, they speak in tongues in a big, like, mega church, and people, like, like quote-unquote lose their minds and, like, talk, a, speak in tongues. For but, sure. Like, they, and they fully believe that they're doing it.
0: For sure. That's a really good example, actually. Yeah.
1: So it, that I still mean, happens today, but I, yeah. I don't think they, like, see them as, like, possessed as more. Now they're more like, I'm connected with the Jesus. <laughs> yeah, the Holy
0: I mean, Ghost. Maybe mean, maybe being possessed by a positive spirit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So that still happens today.
0: Yeah, for sure. I haven't thought of that, but that's actually a really good example. Mm. Um, And so what's interesting, you know, going back to the nuns, is that similar or somewhat similar outbreaks of motor hysteria affect teenagers in modern-day Malaysia, you know, under conditions of strict religious discipline and isolation. So one episode in an all-girls boarding school in Kedah um, in Malaysia. I, I hope I'm, I'm saying that right. Apparently it affected 36 girls over a period of five years, with symptoms including crying fits, screaming, abnormal movements, possession states, and histrionics, to the point where native healers <laughs> named bomohs, would have to be summoned intermittently to exorcise the demons. <laughs> So this is a simple. <laughs> the government. I
1: don't know what to do with this. Just bring in the shaman. Just bring. Just bring. Bring them. in the healers.
0: Oh, they're doing. They're doing the thing again. Can you call? Can you call the guy? <laughs>
1: can you just come with an exorcism? Buddy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking also like if you're if you're in like a very religious mind state, right? Mm-hmm. It, maybe it helps to have like a priest come over and like give you an exorcism. I'm thinking. I'm yeah, thinking in cases yeah. of like in Europe also like where priests would come over and like do exorcisms. That might also be a cases of like people being like hysterical.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to speculate because. I I think that it kind of depends on the person and it depends on the place. Because Mm. in many of these cases, I think the mass hysteria is a stress response to the very strict religious environment. So it's like a way for all that tension and anxiety and like emotions to come out. Mm. So I don't really see how the solution would be to suppress that. Mm. But I mean, maybe. I think it's just a case-to-case basis. Maybe, yeah. So um, the last thing that I want to say in the context of nuns you know because there's a big like mystical element here we're talking about possession is that with the rise of modern rationalism the belief in possession um, actually, has declined over time. So most modern outbreaks of dissociation tend to be confined to harshly managed settings like factories and schools, and be triggered by fears of poisoning or exposure to chemicals. Yeah, um, I know it
1: happened I know that like factory workers oftentimes can get like mass hysteria. Yeah, from like someone spilled a jar like mm-hmm. halfway across the factory, mm-hmm. and suddenly half of the factory is like Thinks
0: th- that they're feeling super yeah, sick. Yeah. yeah, and it's happening in schools a lot too. Mm. Probably you know just kids. Tight environments. Yeah, it yeah. seems that those are are the other places where people are susceptible to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is actually what I'm going to talk about next. Oh, So I'm going to talk about a modern event of mass hysteria. And that's actually somewhat similar to what you talked about in the sense that people thought that they were poisoned. But it has to do actually with, uh, with vaccines. <laughs> so um, it occurred in September 1998 in Jordan following the tetanus diphtheria immunization program at the Ebin al-Abbas school in Amman. And it all started when 160 10th grade students were immunized with the TD vaccine. So during the vaccination session, two students felt faint but were seen by the doctor and were pronounced well enough to return to class. The vaccination program continued with groups of 10 students at a time being vaccinated throughout the day. So, you know, they, they they just kept going. They vaccinated a lot of people. Uh, During the same evening, several students felt ill at home. Some developed headaches and dizziness, but none were seriously sick. However, the next morning, one of the boys who had been ill the night before stumbled and fell as he was coming through the school gates, cutting his lip. Within an hour, around 20 more students had complained of feeling ill or had fainted. So at this point, this is kind of like a turning point. At this point, the teachers were alarmed, thinking it was the start of a disease outbreak. They called the ambulance and the emergency team, which questioned the students and realized that it was not an infectious illness nor contamination of food or water, as only one age group was affected, and the students who had not been vaccinated were not ill. So they concluded that the sickness was probably due to the vaccination, a reasonable conclusion Mm -hmm. to, to draw. At this point, information about the events were beginning to spread beyond the school by teachers and anxious parents. The health minister immediately made a nationwide statement announcing that any student with side effects from the vaccine should be admitted to the hospital for observation. Following the investigation carried by the Ministry of Health, 61% of all students suffered systemic reactions, including fever, headache, malaise, nausea, and dizziness. 5.7% suffered local reactions like pain, swelling, erythema, and then 32% suffered both. So, in total, 55 students from the first school were admitted to the hospital and had the most severe adverse effects. Following the health minister's statement, students from schools in other parts of Jordan were admitted as well. And then then they started doing like an investigation. They started looking at the, the people who were admitted and they started looking at the vaccine because yeah. obviously they were trying to figure out like what happened.
1: Yeah, yeah you don't want a tainted vaccine. Sample, yeah. <laughs> you
0: know, that's that's pretty bad. That's yeah. pretty fucking bad.
1: Our episode on vaccines uh, talks about tainted yeah. diphtheria vaccines and it's not good.
0: So they, uh, they took blood samples from the patients who were admitted to the hospital. Those gave results that were within normal limits they investigated the vaccine batch because it is known that an excessive amount of the diphtheria antigen or the tetanus toxoid could have caused the adverse effects however both the antigenic and the toxoid components of the vaccine batch was perfectly within limits and no abnormalities were detected so the vaccine was fine The blood samples were fine. Then they looked at how the vaccine was administrated. There were no errors in the storing, transporting, or preparing of the vaccine. So it was also administered properly. They also saw that the same lot of the vaccine was distributed to two other countries. And no complaints were received following its use. So vaccine is fine. People seem to be fine. It was distributed fine. Like The administration was fine. It was stored fine. Everything seems Fine, right? Like normal, yeah. Normal. Nothing's wrong. So what actually happened? So there are several factors that are thought to have led to this phenomenon. Firstly, there was a general anti-government feeling among the population related to the water supply. So in the period immediately before the outbreak, there had been a debate in the press about the supposed contamination of Jordan's water supply and its negative effects on children's health. Immediately following the vaccine, there was mass press reporting on the bad vaccine. And there were also negative rumors about the immunization program circulating at the time of the outbreak. So the vaccination program was carried out in an environment of suspicion. like it, Or it started out and people already like were, were yeah. mistrustful of the government. There were rumors about the vaccine. So that's already a bad start. And then the fear of the students and the teachers probably also played a role. And so did the statement of the ministers of education and health. So while they responded in the best way that they could, their desire to prevent the spread of an outbreak actually contributed to it. And lastly, the television, radio, and the newspaper coverage definitely played a crucial role. Because the media coverage was almost immediate, meaning that a large number of teachers, parents, and healthcare workers throughout the country were immediately alerted but the situation was very complex and the coverage was superficial at best Mm -hmm. and misleading at worst with a number of media outlets actually telling the public that a faulty and dangerous vaccine had been used Uh, and like meanwhile this immunization program was ongoing so people were being told that like Hey, your kid that was just vaccinated yesterday, that vaccine is bad. Yeah, and like kids bad. are getting admitted to the hospital because they're sick yeah. because of the vaccine. Like, so people are freaking out. So people are freaking out. So in conclusion, the first students to, to become ill probably experience genuine reactions to the vaccine. That's just a, a sort of a game of the numbers. Some people will have like adverse reactions to the vaccine, but the escalation of events can be attributed to a number of dynamics, well documented in other such instances, including government mistrust, fear, and poor dissemination of information.
1: Messed up how powerful the mind is, where it just starts sabotaging itself. Yeah, because you're afraid of the government. Uh-huh. That's how this is how we get people in the US who like actually feel like really bad after taking the COVID vaccine, for example.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're they're, be, they're being told that they're gonna feel bad. Yeah, and um, that they
1: expect to feel bad, and the body makes it come. Mm-hmm. Messed up. Messed up so those have been a few stories about how mass hysteria sort of manifests and how it works a couple of cases of it happening but i just want to quickly want to talk about like how we view mass hysteria like as a concept today and it's almost a little bit controversial in a sense like we know it exists Mm-hmm. And we know it's a phenomenon that happens often. We know that the mind's very powerful. And we know that we're very open to become, like, like infected by empathy when we see someone else, like, exhibit symptoms. And we can start feeling those symptoms as well. But there are some people who believe that, like, maybe the term mass hysteria isn't good. We, we mentioned that, like, before how it can be called other names. But even the sort of category is maybe flawed. That maybe there should be, like, multiple psychological illnesses or, like, mm-hmm. disorders or mm-hmm. conditions that more accurately reflect what's happening, because these are very, uh, you could say that these are very, like, different events, but they, they sort of look somewhat similar. Mm. But it's also hard to sort of, like, suss out what those categories <laughs> should be, because it's almost impossible to study mass hysteria. You can't really cause it in a controlled environment, and you can't really cause it, like, in public either. <laughs> even And even if we could do it, it would be very immoral to do it, it would be unethical to do it. We do know, though, that it does frequently occur in children, but that's basically all we know about how it how it works. Women do seem to be a bit more affected than men, but from, from what I could see, there is apparently a bit of a myth that's like, that, that wi- Apparently it's a myth that women do get like significantly more uh, affected by mass hysteria than men. There's a myth that people with neurodivergent conditions are more susceptible to mass hysteria, or like, people who have low IQ are more susceptible. That's a mm. myth. Mm. Literally everyone is susceptible to do it, but just kids are a bit more likely to be affected. Which means that anyone can be infected, including you, dear listener. So, you, you know, sp- stay careful. Can you cause a meta-mass hysteria outbreak where people mm. think they have mass hysteria? Which, I guess, then they do. Weird. Mass hysteria is actually, like, kind of common today, actually. But in very, like, mild cases, so mm-hmm. to say. Especially during the COVID pandemic. Because as there is massive uh, broadcasting about the pandemic, and about health effects, and about health effects of the vaccine, and uh, health effects of staying, like, in quarantine, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera sometimes, people will seek uh, medical care for symptoms that they think are COVID, that they think are being caused by by it. But when they actually examine it, they don't have, they're not infected by anything. It's not a huge problem, but, but it is I, something that does occur.
0: But I want to draw the distinction distinction here. Do they actually have symptoms or do they? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like people will develop symptoms. Like people mm. will develop like COVID-like symptoms or like mm. uh, like partial of it. And because a lot of the symptoms that are, that can come with uh, mass mass hysteria are are kind of overlapping with some of the some of the COVID vaccines. Most common symptoms is like headache and nausea, mm. but there can be all sorts of like symptoms that develop, including as we mentioned, like dancing and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. So I just
0: so actually researching for this topic. Um, I was trying to read, you know, usually try to look for, uh, you know, papers on scientific articles mm-hmm. and stuff. And something that I was running into a lot was people using mass hysteria without actually meaning the the actual syndrome. They mm-hmm. were just saying mass hysteria, meaning like people getting up in arms about nothing yeah. at all. Um, and so, but I, so I just want to like make sure that we are clear about the distinction between mm. it it being like an actual syndrome where you you literally develop physical symptoms yeah. and like when and like, people like, think yeah. that they have something but they don't because then that's just uh that's just being a hypochondriac yeah <laughs> you know so <laughs> I like think it's
1: people ver- buying like toilet paper or, like people call that mass hysteria it's yeah like, exactly. no, you're just worried about toilet paper that's not massive yeah, yeah you're like- not developing a lack of toilet paper <laughs>
0: Yeah, so it's a little bit different, but we're on the yeah. same page about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like people have been like like developing symptoms that they don't actually have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and apparently this Or they ha- do
0: have them, but they're not related to COVID.
1: Exactly. Like and we've s- apparently this is happening occasionally like in New Zealand because yeah. New Zealand has has taken like massive uh, measures for very small cases. Like very mm-hmm. recently they had like one Delta variant case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they locked down the entire country. <laughs> for one case they locked down the the, the entire country. Uh, goals. As they should. <laughs> As they should. They're doing right. But that, that it has also meant that like after this, they saw a rise in hospitalization for COVID, mm-hmm. but only a few of them actually had anything. Many of them just freaked out over the fact that like there's massive news coverage in New Zealand and lockdowns and things of that nature. But no, it's just massive theory. I understand. We don't really know why uh, humans do this. It's theorized that it's like we're just deeply conditioned herd animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we are We are empathetic creatures we are we are and we are you know essentially we are animals still and when one in the herd feels a certain way there's sometimes like the empathetic center of the brain can sort of just like misfire Mm. just a little bit and Mm. it's like start being like hey not only can you relate to what this person is feeling but you can also feel the exact same thing that the person is feeling or Mm. what you think that they are feeling Mm. um and, yeah, uh, but it doesn't. Yeah. It
0: doesn't seem so. Without actually knowing how it works, this is not something that is supposed to happen. It seems to be aspiring more than like actual healthy sort of yeah, like brain processes.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. Like from from everything that that we've read about this, it seems more that this is <laughs> this is brain not doing correctly yeah. or something's mm-hmm. something's going wrong. Mm-hmm. But. It's interesting that like it can happen to even healthy healthy people and healthy brains and typical brains and whatever. But we do, and but we do know that it's connected to mental unhealth. Uh stress and anxiety in particular. Stress has a lot of physical effects on the body. Yeah. Um as yeah. Some, <laughs> somebody who has <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I mean, listen, I uh I've been I'm a stressed person. <laughs> I've had I've had periods of like major stress in my life. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, let me tell you, stress is stress truly really is a silent killer. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it it can it can mess up the body pretty significantly. Yeah, it's, and and if it's it goes like too hard, mm-hmm. it can go hard.
0: I know it's 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 really interesting um, how how physical it can become. You know, you mm-hmm. really just think of like, oh, you know, just don't be stressed, just take a walk. No, that shit will ruin your health. Yeah, in the short and the long term. And
1: I think it's important to mention also that like the the, the distinguishing line between like psychological and physiological mm-hmm. is arbitrary yeah right everything that is uh everything that's psychological is biological exactly the yeah, brain yeah, works yeah. on chemicals that releases everywhere so the the fact that we're feeling these things the fact that we're feeling the symptoms they're caused by our brains releasing hormones in a weird mm, way or mm. like releasing emotions and feelings and things yeah of that nature. yeah for
0: sure i mean your brain is part of your body your yeah. brain is is i mean whatever's happening in your brain is physical so what i said i i know that i said at the beginning of the the episode that like uh, you know it's a it's a psychological mm. process that has physical consequences it it's is for, yeah. for simplification purposes but um, just because it's happening in the brain does not mean that it's not physical yeah, yeah.
1: no of course um, I wasn't contradicting that, yeah. I that but yeah messed up yo brain too powerful <laughs> mm-hmm. return to monkey <laughs> return to primordial soup do you think monkeys have mass hysteria do you think monkeys get stressed
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh 100%. A hundred percent. Do
1: they get anxious? Yeah. What do you think? What do you think bonobos are anxious about?
0: I mean, they get anxious and stressed, uh, you know, if they if they don't have like a proper environment. For yeah. sure they get stressed and anxious. Yeah, I suppose. Have you ever seen a monkey in a zoo that doesn't take care of its needs? They go but they, they go bananas. They go
1: bananas. Ben- <laughs> but I'm just thinking They don't get there-
0: stressed about work. <laughs> They don't have a podcast episode to make. No, they don't get stressed about having to pick up the kid from school. Yeah. But but they do get stressed. And I they think do they also. Stressed, yes. I think that, I mean, for sure they get stressed probably about like their, you know, their role in the hierarchy, mm. their their social position. They worry about yeah. their clout.
1: <laughs> <laughs> their clout. I would actually like be very interested in reading a study that's, that would study sort of like, yeah, mass hysteria in animals. Like, can you cause physical symptoms?
0: Bonus episode. Bonus
1: episode. We, we freak out some bonobos.
0: <laughs> we freak.
1: Brother. <laughs> Give me banana. <laughs> I'm
0: so right. You're so stupid.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been a good episode. Talking yeah. about mass area and uh, dancing plagues. It has seemed, though, that, like, it doesn't get as extreme today as it used to be because the world is less bad.
0: Mm, yeah, I think maybe most people are just a bit more rational uh, yeah. these days. Um, and so maybe, yeah, I mean I think like having I th-
1: a rational explanation helps,
0: yeah, and just knowing a bit more about um how the brain works yeah. and mental illness and stress, and you know the effects that those things have on like physical health mm-hmm. to oversimplify again, but um i, I mean, it definitely still happens, and it definitely, and especially it happens in in places where people are stressed, yeah. people are anxious, people are. Like believe in mysticism. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't want to say that, but it is. It does. It, it tends does to happen. happen a bit more. Yeah. But this was the episode on uh, mass hysteria.
1: Mm-hmm. I have been Mia Mulder, I've been- and I have been hysterically funny this it's- episode. <laughs> We're You're laughing, so I'm getting I'm getting validation. All
0: right, cool. My name is Ruluka Mutano, and I don't know if I've been funny, but I hope you've enjoyed this episode. You've been very funny. Okay, well, thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us uh, on Patreon at Leechfest Podcast. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, follow us on Twitter.
1: Yes, uh, Leechfest Leech Pod.
0: Leechfest Pod, and um, you I'm know, gonna
1: try to tweet more about like uh, shit posting about medical history.
0: Y- um. Yeah, the last time you should posted, we literally lost followers, so... Calling
1: the weak. <laughs> they were weak. <laughs> they were not strong enough for our medical history.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. You should
1: also go to iTunes uh, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, uh, or Apple Podcasts, I think it's called now, because I'm a boomer, and to me it's still iTunes. Um, you should uh, give us a review. Uh, it does help the podcast. It does share it a lot. And you can also share it to friends and family. You know, we don't pay to advertise the show at all. So um, word of mouth is how we spread. And we uh, love a little community.
0: (laughs) We do. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode. And we will see you next time.
1: Bye.